Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. I don't know if you guys have ever felt this way about a person, about a, about a dog, about a cat, about a gerbil, about a teacher, about a coach, about a teammate. You guys ever been around someone that's just hard to love? You never had one of those? Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want to tell them one person that is easy to love. person next to you. The one person that's easy to love. All right, I heard, I heard at least twice my mom. No, not my mom, your mom. What else? What else did you guys say? I was someone over here. What did she say? Yeah, you're pointing at her. What did she say? Oh, she said her mom. Hey, Amy, Amy Osborne, your daughter says you're easy to love. Oh, now she's denying it. Amy Osborne, your daughter says you're hard to love. No, wait, there's a... Now everything's all messed up. We don't know where to go from here. Now she's up here going like this. You know, you guys, we live in a world that is full of people that are, that are hard to love. And, and it's evident when we, watch, when we watch the news, when we watch a social media feed, when we watch... Uh, when we walk down the hallways, we see people's faces, people that have been rude and mean and inconsiderate in class. Think about that for a minute. Not a week goes by that we don't hear about someone, uh, someone uh, being involved in some level of a mass shooting. Um, just this last week, I looked at one, and it was, uh, it was a mother and a daughter that are accused of killing siblings and aunts and, like, you look into the faces, and it makes you wonder, how hard would they be to love? You know what I mean? There's pieces of humanity that are just mean, and, and, and maybe we would even categorize them as, like, not physically ugly, but, but who they are is, is hideous, and they're hard to love. Any of you guys, we talked about forgiveness two weeks ago. Uh, all of you guys that were here two weeks ago, I know that I had at least half a dozen conversations of students that were like, I had to forgive someone tonight. It was someone that hurt me. It was someone that I was holding bitterness against. You remember we said that if you can, if you could ask the question, if I could hurt them, shame them, or like humiliate them and not get in trouble for it, I would. That means you're holding on to bitterness and you need to forgive someone. Um, those people that you hold bitterness against, aren't they hard to love? Those people that have actually hurt you, aren't they hard to love? I think about that all the time, and there's been something, our, our church has been going through this thing, you guys, called the Rooted Experience, it's a 10-week in-depth Bible study that, that dozens and dozens, well, now we can say hundreds, of adults have been going through. And one thing that it's really done for me is to look past the face 
of who I'm looking at if I find myself upset, disappointed, uh, ashamed, hurt. I look at the face and I go, there's a story behind what's going on here. And God has called me to love. God has called me to love. If you guys look at 1 John chapter 4, we're going to go through the whole chapter in a minute, but not, right, not yet, so let's not put the whole thing up yet on the, on the screen. It says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. A simple command, if there was nothing else that God would command us to do that would like wrap everything that he has called us to be up into one package, it's to love one another. And that would cover sharing the gospel, that would cover being generous, that would cover all of this. But you know what? Don't we have limits? Have you ever just gone, I am, I am through with them. I have nothing left in my bucket to offer them. I am spent. I have poured it all out. There is no grace left. There is no niceness left in me. They have taken the last little bit of kindness out of my soul. There is no love left for them. How about a piece of honesty? I want to know how many of you have been in that place with, with another human. That you're like, I'm done. There's nothing left here. Okay, we have a few honest people. The rest of you aren't honest with yourselves. That's fine. I've been there. I've been there. And what I'm going to share with you guys tonight is something that I hope will change the way that you look at humanity and you, the way that you look at the call that God has placed on your life to joyfully love the people around you. Because we're not just called to forgive, we're called to love in the midst of that forgiveness. And that's where the, our source of forgiveness, like Parker talked two weeks ago about how we need to forgive so we're not living in bitterness and we're able to live in freedom. Our capacity to do that is found in how we love. That is how you forgive. That is how you find the strength to stand on your feet and go, it is time for me to forgive. You could say it another way. It is time for me to love. And in 1 John, this book, you guys, this letter that John wrote, it was to a church that was obviously struggling with this concept because the writer of this book hit it hard and he hit it clear on the example that we were set on how to love and how to follow through with that. And I want you guys to follow with me. If you have your devices, you can open those up. If you have the, the beautiful hard version that you can open and hold in your hands and turn pages and do things like that. I'm, you know, I'm biased, but I'm also old. First John chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I want to stop there for a minute. He said this phrase, God is love. And this is what we need to focus on tonight, students, is what exactly does it mean to be loving because our culture has really skewed this. 
It's attached love to our sexuality. It's attached love to uh, 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 physical in- inanimate objects. It's, it's attached love in so many different ways. But when Scripture says that God is love, that means when we look at the person of Jesus, we are seeing the physical being of God's presence. That means everything that Christ did is our example of love, so that when we look at Jesus, we are physically seeing what love is at its purest, most innocent, most full, complete form. When we look at Christ, that's what we're seeing. Because God is love. It's not simply God is loving, even though God is loving. It's not that God knows how to love. It's that God is love. And that is the place that we go to find our definition of love. And we have to focus on that. So listen to what what this says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So that love was sacrificial. Because God offered his only son. Love is sacrificial. This is love, not that we have loved God, but that God loved us. And he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, he says it again, what's this say? We also ought to love one another. No one one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is complete. His love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us, given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. So, and so we know and rely on the love that God has for us. In the end of verse 16, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. Look at how wonderful those verses are to hear. If we are even to say that we know God, we have to know how to love. And this is the challenge, you guys. The way that we've been taught to love is that it's so circumstantial. Hey, I'm, I'm willing to love you. I'm willing to love you, Case, if you'll love me back. It's circumstantial. The minute that I offer my love but I don't receive it back, I retract what I call being, what I see as being love. I pull it back unless you're willing to offer it in the same way. But that's not the type of love that God is talking about. And listen, that's not the type of love that God is offering. Because when God says that he loves you, it is a love that is present whether you know it or not, whether you receive it or not, whether you want to acknowledge God's presence, God is saying, I love you. It's a lot like, no, I'm not going to say it's a lot like the game. Anybody know how to play the game? No. No. I just lost the game because I brought it up. It's a simple game. It's a mind virus. 
Everyone always has been and always will be playing the game. Neither your consent nor knowledge of the game requires you to be playing the game. So you always have been, you always will be. That's rule number one. Rule number two, when you think about the game, you lose the game. I just thought about the game, so I lost the game. Okay? So you guys didn't lose the game. Rule number three is when you lose the game, you have to tell someone. That's the only rule that people really break, but why would you? Because it's such a great game. So think about this. Those of you that have known to play the game, I am telling you that God's love has been ever-present in your life. Whether you know it, whether you want to acknowledge it, and whether you want to receive it. And that might be hard for some of you to hear. And so what I want to do is I have a short video that I'm going to have you guys watch that maybe will illuminate some of that. And then I want to move into the so what piece of this message. Check this video out.
Students, here's the problem, is the way that we view this definition of love. God is the author and perfecter of love. God is love. That is what love is. Love is sacrifice. Love is humility. Love is serving. Everything that Christ did when he approached the cross. And this is the part of our capacity to love others because, listen, I have a limit to how much patience I can have for, like, like, like honestly, like, like some of you guys, week in, week out, this isn't most of you. There's a small group of you that week in, week out, you love to be a headache and a distraction. And you know what? My bucket is quickly emptied and spent when it comes to my patience for you and asking, why are you even here? But this is the this is the good news for both you and for me. I am loving you out of Jesus' capacity to love, not my own. Because my humanity has limitations. I run out of patience. I run out of, uh, I run out of like nice words to say. I run out of passionate, compassionate looks on my face. But somehow out of God's abundance and his ability to love me and I've received, I've chosen to receive so much of that love and grace, I can't help but allow that mercy to fall out into your world. And that's what God is saying here because students, when you look at the people in your world that are in need of forgiving, that are in need of mercy, that are in need of grace, you are going to have your limits. You are going to have your limits with your siblings. Am I right? You are going to have your limits with your parents. You are going to have your limits with your teachers, with your coaches, with your teammates, with your classmates. You are going to have your limits with those friends that cannot keep a secret that you trusted them with. But God isn't calling you to love them out of your own capacity. God is going, look, I need to remind you of how I love. Because, Josh, this is how I'm calling you to love. This is how I'm calling you to be in their lives. In the same way that I've chosen to be in your life, Josh, you need to be in the life of others. And students, that is the only way that I can have any capacity to love the way Jesus is, is if I fully understand the way that he's loved me. And every time I sit with my Bible open and I read these words of 1 John, I'm deeply convicted because I know how much God has loved me. I know that God stepped out in humanity, took those scars from me, and he's going, please, Josh, would you please love with the abundance that I've loved you? Would you please be patient and forgive in the way that I've been patient and I've forgiven you? Students, you need to know the depth of which God has loved you. And the depth of which God has loved you could, should compel you to live differently. You know, I can stand up here and talk to you about, about heaven and hell and hell that is waiting and hell is a real place. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. 
that should compel you to stay out of hell to make this decision. But I want to challenge you with something that I believe is more, should be more motivating. You have a God that loved you all the way to the cross, to the depth of the most gruesome pain to take your punishment. You should be heartbroken at that incredible, reckless, romantic love of God in that moment. It's said like this in verse 9. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This, world, this word showed, some translators would translate it as revealed. Like there was a grand revealing, like you have a, you have a, a, a drum roll and all of a sudden uh, the curtain is raised and everybody is in awe of what they're seeing. And he's saying, this is how God revealed in all of his amazement and grandeur and romanticism, his love for humanity, is he sent his son to die for you and to die for me. And we have, we have, a, we have students tonight that are making that decision to unite their lives with Christ and they've recognized that they need to receive that love. And, and next, next week, we're gonna have an opportunity, students, I hope that that week on forgiveness, that you believe that you need to receive forgiveness before you're able to forgive others. And tonight, I hope you're hearing this, that in order to love others, you've got to understand what it's like to be loved. And God has loved you passionately and endlessly in a way that no one else in all of humanity has loved you. In all the ways that our culture has skewed the word love, God has come to perfect it again. And that is how, by dying on the cross and going, I'm going to show you true love and sacrifice, in humility, in service. And we have students that are going to unite their lives with that love tonight. And beyond that baptistry and beyond that decision, we are called to love one another. The writer John is asking that church, would you love one another? You guys, it's the biggest testimony for the kingdom of God. It's the biggest testimony uh, for God's church is you choosing to love. Will you do it? Will you receive love so that you'll have the capacity to give love in a God-sized manner? Let's pray tonight. God. Father, it's wonderful to be with your body, uh, the church. It's good to be with the church in your presence. But Father, it is so much better to be with the church when we are loving others. Father, remind us how deeply and passionately that we are loved by you. And Father, I pray that that would be a a stirring, heartfelt moment for these students, that they would understand the depth of which they are loved by the creator of the universe. And Father, that that would motivate them to move and to love others. Father, I pray they would draw from that well. They would draw from that well of endless love, endless mercy, endless forgiveness, and it would just pour out in the world around them, God. Father, you've called us to be love unlimited. And the only way we can do that, Lord, is through your power. 
the power of the cross, the power of your Holy Spirit moving in us is the only way that we can be love unlimited. Lord, I pray as students are wondering about what it means to be loved by you, Father, I pray you would, you would move them to talk to their coaches tonight, that you would move them to talk to their friends. So, Father, ultimately they would be moved towards you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students.